So I want to start this morning off by thinking a little bit about economics. It's everybody's, you know, favorite thing to talk about with, well, really anybody, but not just talk about, but complain about while we buy our coffee drinks and our, our gas and our everything. But we complain, we complain. We'll start off thinking about economics a little bit, and specifically supply and demand. We saw a dramatic change during COVID when demand was high and supply was insufficient. And I mean, that's still, that's still going on some, but I mean, I'm talking about when people couldn't get toilet paper. Stores were limiting the sale of specific items to a certain amount per individual, if you remember. Um, those who were ordered online were forced to wait a ridiculous amount of time to receive what they paid for. Supply couldn't keep up with demand. And today, something a little more important than toilet paper and ammo is in short supply. And the demand has never been greater. Something more valuable than riches and prosperity. Something that's of greater worth than anything the earth provides. And that something is wisdom. A well-meaning Christian man makes a post on Facebook honoring his church and promoting biblical values. An internet troll attacks him in the comments below. What does he do? A godly young woman falls in love with a man who does not have her parents' blessing. Instead, they repeatedly show their concern for her choice in a future spouse. What should she, what should she do? A teenager is forced to specify his pronouns in school. What should he say? These examples only scratch the surface of the situations of life that can't be taught in a class and can't be learned from a book. All of us are repeatedly faced with life-altering decisions that can either lead us down a path of blessing or a path of pain and heartache. Don't get me wrong, Jesus said that we would face persecution for following him. That's really not the kind of pain I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of pain that is the natural consequence of making poor life choices. All of us need wisdom as we face the decisions of life, but how do we acquire it? And what exactly is it? Let me start by addressing two huge major misconceptions about wisdom. First, wisdom is not simply a matter of intelligence. Some of the smartest people in the world have made some of the most foolish decisions. Likewise, some people who don't appear to be all that bright or maybe articulate proved to be quite wise. Second, wisdom isn't necessarily about age either. While experience is an amazing teacher, some who are advanced in years haven't exactly learned from it, while others who are younger have taken an instruction with a wise heart. But don't just take my word for it. The question we really need to ask this morning is this. What is wisdom as God has defined it? In order to see how God defines anything, we'll need to turn to his word. And today our text will be in Proverbs 1. As we read and study the word together, we will uncover three important truths about wisdom that will help us define it and ultimately acquire it as well. First, wisdom is fearing. Second, wisdom is listening. And third, wisdom is training. And that's just a preview. Y'all don't have to like blaze through your bulletin notes, you know, filling those in, some of you note-takers. But let's start by reading verses 1 through 6 together. 
The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. I don't want us to miss the fact that Solomon tells us right here in these six verses both what the purpose of the Proverbs is as well as who his audience is, and I'd like to start there as well. Solomon lists discipline, understanding, prudence, insight, shrewdness, knowledge, learning, discernment, and really these are all subcategories of wisdom. They're all distinct, they mean different things, but they all belong under the banner of wisdom. And so what Solomon is really saying is, I'm about to define wisdom. I'm about to show you what wisdom is all about. He also defines his audience as both young and inexperienced and wise and discerning. So in other words, the audience is anyone who will listen, both for the inexperienced and for those who are already wise. After verses 1 through 6, you'll see a break in your Bible between or before verse 7, and that break is there because translators have identified that Solomon is transitioning from his introduction into the meat of what wisdom actually is. And that brings us to the first way that we can define wisdom. Wisdom is fearing. Take a look at verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, some of you right now are probably wondering what translation I'm using because as you remember this verse and you're thinking, wait, wait a minute, I thought it was the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But here's the thing, you're not wrong. You're just remembering another section of Proverbs, specifically Proverbs 9.10, which says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So in the same book of the Bible, just eight chapters apart, we're told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then later we read that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Note also that we are not talking about the same Hebrew word in these two verses either. In our text today, in verse 7, the Hebrew word da'at is correctly translated as knowledge. It can also be translated as understanding. Meanwhile, in Proverbs 9.10, the word, I'm going to try to pronounce this right, chokmah. All right, chokmah is accurately translated as wisdom. So the question is, which is it? Is it the fear of the Lord, the beginning of knowledge, or is it the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom? And of course, the answer is, is both. As I said earlier at the beginning, that, that knowledge is a subcategory of wisdom. Knowledge is all about what or who we know, but wisdom is about what, how we use and apply that information in our decision-making. You know, the relationship between wisdom and knowledge is a lot like the relationship between having all the right fishing equipment and being a good fisherman. Let's see if I can get this. Let's go ahead and strap on this vest this morning. Now some of you are really, really going to get this analogy and others of you are going to be a little lost, but hopefully get the point across. So let's imagine that you are going for a wonderful day of fishing. And you, you do all your research. You're going to go fish for small stream brook trout in the mountains. So um, 
you go to the store, you get an ultralight fishing pole with a premium reel set up, you got the right line, you've got your net, you've got, you know, your hemostat, you've got this little thing right here, I don't even know what you call that, it can help you reach things. You've got your fishing license, you're legal, that's good. Um, <laughs> you, you've got sinkers of all different sizes, and uh, you've got a, a vest with enough compartments and pockets in it to hold the contents of Mary Poppins' purse. <laughs> Not to mention, you've done your research and you know what kind of lures and colors are working on the stream. So you've got everything set up, a wide selection there as well. You are set and you are ready for an amazing day of fishing. So, as you arrive at the stream, it suddenly occurs to you that you actually don't know anything about how to fish because you've never done it before. But you've got your stuff. So you go ahead and give it a, give it a whirl. And you do your best. And you tie on a spinner with one overhand knot and uh, throw it out directly downstream. Some of you are cringing. And uh, you just kind of let it sit there like bait. Just kind of let it plop there. And you wonder why not a single fish is, is biting. It just kind of pushes over to the shallow end of the current. Meanwhile, you try to go ahead and reel it in and the, the overhand knot, and you left the tag end, of course, you didn't cut it off. And it just kind of fumbles and just completely, you lose your spinner, you lose your precious spinner. Um, just in the oblivion, goes down the current. So it's been a wonderful day so far. Um, and, you, and you just keep going like this all day until your, your reel is just one big tangled up rat's nest and uh, you have one lure left. Deeply grieved, you head home broke and fishless. So in this story, knowledge is doing your research, it's having the right fishing equipment, it's you know, knowing what you need. But wisdom is actually being a good fisherman when you reach your destination. To say it another way, you can have knowledge without wisdom, but you cannot practice wisdom without knowledge. If a famous fisherman showed up to that same stream with bait big enough to catch a shark and line strong enough to hold up a bridge, he wouldn't probably catch any fish either. Again, you can have knowledge without wisdom, but you can't have wisdom without knowledge. You've got to have some kind of knowledge there. So to bring this all back around to Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of both wisdom and knowledge because the kind of knowledge that you get from fearing the Lord is a necessary prerequisite for wisdom. But just what kind of knowledge are we really talking about? Is Solomon just referring to the kind of knowledge that can help you be that annoying guy that wins every single round of Trivial Pursuit? Or is he talking about something a little deeper? To answer this question, we really need to explore the idea of fearing the Lord right there in the context. Waiting for God to zap you with lightning is not really the kind of fear that Solomon has in mind. The inspired Word of God says that perfect love actually casts out that kind of fear. So the kind of fear that Solomon is referencing is one of reverence. This is about caring deeply for what God has said and what He thinks about any given situation in your life. Sometimes my son Solomon demonstrates uh, my son Solomon, sometimes my son Leland <laughs> demonstrates, man, this kind of fear with me and the kinds of questions he asks. 
he asks things like, Dad, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Or is this right? Is this wrong? Does this make you upset? How does that make you feel? Does that make you happy? And when he asks those questions, I know he's trying to understand my heart. He's, he's, he's wanting to, to please me. He's not wanting to disappoint me. And that's really exactly what fearing the Lord is. And if that's what fearing the Lord is, then the kind of knowledge Solomon is talking about here is less about what you know and more about who you know. How well do you know our God? Do you know what He hates? Do you know what pleases Him? Do you think about it when you make decisions? How are you doing with fearing the Lord? I can tell you if you're not regularly reading God's Word, you're going to really struggle with this one um, because God's Word reminds us who God is and ultimately what His standards are. Reading the Bible is really more about the knowledge portion of the equation, if you remember the fishing parable, if you will. Um, reading, reading the Word of God is, is like having all the right equipment. It's a necessary step, and it's foundational to wisdom, but it isn't wisdom itself. So for some of you, that's something simple that maybe you could apply um, this week is just reading, reading God's Word. Um, for others of you who do have all the right fishing equipment, in other words, you do read God's Word and you have that knowledge, um, then are you examining your life under the microscope of the character, heart, and mind of God? Now I'm talking about being a good fisherman. I'm talking about wisdom. If there are areas in your life that you know are not pleasing to God, then your assignment this week is to care enough. To care enough about who God is to make a change. That's what fearing the Lord is all about. And it's one of the first things you'll need to pursue if you desire wisdom. After all, wisdom is fearing. The second truth about wisdom is found in verses 8 through 19, and that's that wisdom is listening. Let's go ahead and read it starting with verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't reject your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland of favor on your head, pendants around your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. If they say, come with us, let's set an ambush and kill someone. Let's attack some innocent person just for fun. Let's swallow them alive like Sheol, whole like those who go down to the pit. We'll find all kinds of valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we'll all share the loot. And then Solomon says again, My son, don't travel that road with them or set foot on their path because their feet run toward evil and they hurry to shed blood. It is useless to spread a net where any bird can see it. But they set an ambush to kill themselves. They attack only their own lives. Such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. It takes the lives of those who receive it. So I want to focus in on verse 8 for a moment here. It says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and don't reject your mother's teaching. This is really the thesis of verses 8 through 19 because Solomon is illustrating how it is wisdom to listen to those who speak truth into your life uh, so that you can reject those who speak lies. You know, I can remember when I first started reading the Bible on a regular basis as a kid. I was about 11 or 12 years old, and the book I read on repeat was Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. And honestly, this principle was, I just, I just it was easy for me to see how I could apply it. Listen to Dad. Don't turn away from what mom teaches me. Done. Um, you know, it was easy to understand because I have amazing parents and grew up in a healthy biblical home. But maybe for others of you, 
mom and dad weren't exactly the shining example of godliness. Maybe they weren't even believers. Uh, maybe they were believers with serious addiction issues. Uh, maybe they were abusive. I, I don't know. And that might leave you feeling stuck or unsure about how to apply this passage. But we need to look a little deeper at what Solomon is doing here. Solomon is giving us one example to illustrate a timeless principle. The example is not meant to be exhaustive or all-encompassing. Solomon shows us a picture of a young man and his parents in the context of listening to them instead of being persuaded to take a path of violence with others. But the truth Solomon is communicating here is not limited to those confines, and that is clear within the rest of the book of Proverbs. For instance, Proverbs 6.20. Solomon wrote, My son, keep your father's command and don't reject your mother's teaching. Sounds familiar. But instead of talking about violence again, he moves on to warn against adultery and sexual immorality. So before we move on into the heart of these verses, I just want to clarify right now that we're really going to be looking at the principle more than the specific example in this case. Remember, Solomon is defining wisdom. And I think the number one truth Solomon is communicating in these verses is that wisdom is all about listening to wise counsel. You know, maybe, maybe your parents aren't the greatest, I don't know. Maybe some of, some of y'all need to be more grateful for your parents, that said. I don't want to just cover one side of the spectrum today. But I guarantee God has placed someone wise in your life. The rest of the book of Proverbs has plenty to say about listening to wise counsel. Proverbs 12:15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice or counsel. Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no guidance, the people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. Proverbs 15:22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Chapter 19, 20 through 21, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And lastly, Proverbs 13, 10, by insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. And I could keep going and going. There's more verses. Sounds easy enough, right? Well, at least in as much as the wise counsel in your life agrees with your opinions. But what about when they don't. What about when they disagree? Well, then they're overstepping their bounds, aren't they? They need to realize that you're an independent adult. You can make your own decisions, and maybe they aren't so wise after all. Maybe we aren't as good at listening to wise counsel as we think we are. I remember the first time I really learned what it meant to, to listen to wise counsel. I was 17 years old, and my dad had just uh, taken a job as a pastor at a large church in Longview, Washington. Uh, not Texas, Longview, Washington. Uh, and as, as, as my family picked up and left everything we knew behind and took a 2,046-mile-long road trip into the P&W, I was thinking about something other than they were. they were. They all had their minds on what the new church would be like or what the new culture would be like. Um, but I really had my mind on something else. Um, I was leaving someone behind. I was leaving something behind that no one else was. And I was trying to leave behind an unequally yoked relationship with a Mormon. Complicated. Even though I knew what was right, I knew it was a good thing for me to move away. My heart and my emotions were the stronger force at work within me. During the road trip, I began reading Isaiah 40 through 46, and I began to feel like I was hearing from God. 
Not that God had redeemed me like Israel or something else that could have been exegeted from the text. No, I began to believe that what I was reading obviously meant that God wanted me to marry this girl. I had sentences underlined, pieces of text highlighted, and I decided to tell my parents. And I could almost see the fear in their eyes as they saw me headed down a path of foolishness and deep pain. Both of them came up against my thinking clearly and argued that they did not believe I was hearing from God. I remember Dad explaining something to me at the time I would later learn in college as eisegesis, which is basically when you read your feelings um, and your heart and your life into Scripture instead of letting Scripture um, change your heart, your life, and your feelings. And I was just, I was just really struggling. Um, and I remember the deep clash within me that I felt um, because I was thinking to myself, if I believe God said something to me that my parents don't think he did, then who am I to listen to, right? Should a man's word outweigh the voice of God? I was, I was really struggling. It was then that my dad showed me the concept of wise counsel in the book of Proverbs. And I was reminded of everything I had read as a kid, and everything was suddenly quite clear. God had placed my parents in my life as wise counsel. If, if they didn't think I was hearing from God when I thought I was, then I needed to seriously reevaluate what I read and listen to their advice. So I began reading back through the passage with new eyes, uh, this time painfully realizing how wrong I'd been and how I hadn't heard from God at all. Rather, I was only hearing what I wanted to hear. I, I can remember the deep grief I felt at the time. I didn't want it to be true, but I knew they were right. Church, God places wise counsel in our lives for a very important reason. Now I'm married to the woman of my dreams and her devotion to the one true God. It's beautiful. What about you? Who is the person or who are the people in your life that speak wisdom into it? I'm guessing you, you already know, and it might be somebody who kind of annoys you. <laughs> but you know, you know. <clears throat> are you listening? Are you listening to wise counsel? I need to hear I need you to hear me say something if you hear me say anything at all this morning. God is the one who places wise counsel in your life. I'm not saying that everybody who ever has an opinion about what you should do is always right. It's definitely not the case. But if you desire to be a person of wisdom who makes good choices that result in blessing rather than pain, see to it that you listen to wise counsel, even and especially when it's a gray area. So far, we've seen that wisdom is fearing and that wisdom is listening. The third and final truth we will draw out from our text today is that wisdom is timing. At the beginning of verse 20, Solomon kind of takes a sharp turn in the way that he talks about wisdom. He's defining it. He's just kind of a textbook definition, if you will, but giving stories. But here in, uh, here in verse 20, he starts personifying wisdom. Some scholars call this lady wisdom, um, and he does so to make a powerful point. So let's jump into our last section today, starting with verse 20. Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. There's a colon there because this is about to be what Lady Wisdom says. How long, inexperienced ones, will you love ignorance? 
How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. Since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention. Since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you. Then they will call me, but I won't answer. They will search for me, but won't find me. Because they hated knowledge, didn't choose to fear the Lord, were not interested in my counsel, and rejected all of my correction. They will eat the fruit of their own way and be glutted by their own schemes. For the apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Whoever listens to me will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. When it comes to wisdom, there's a time to listen and apply it, but there is also a time when it's too late. Some of you know about that quite well, from either someone you love or because of your own choices. Um, as we just read in verses 23 and 25, wisdom warns us with counsel and correction. Wisdom does not wait to speak until it's too late. If you are listening, you will hear wisdom calling. But hear this, there's a point of no return. And when that point comes, the wisdom you needed to listen to will no longer be of any use, or you will seek it. When you try drugs, it'll be too late. When you watch pornography for the first time, it'll be too late. When you marry the wrong person, it'll be too late. When you treat your neighbor poorly, it will be too late. When you have sex before marriage, it'll be too late. When you go into deep debt from buying now and paying later, it will already be too late. And just like verse 26 says, wisdom will turn and laugh at your calamity. That's what it says. You will search for wisdom, but you won't find it. Why? Because you hated knowledge and didn't choose to fear the Lord. You were interested in counsel and you rejected correction. And so as verse 31 says so plainly, you will eat the fruit of your own way. In other words, you have to deal with the consequences of your own choices. For those of you who are standing on the edge of making life-altering decisions, uh, the most loving thing I can do for you today is, is, is to implore you to heed this warning. Wisdom is timing, and there comes a point when it's too late. For the rest of you who are standing on the other side of this truth, having already made some decisions you regret, please remember the good news that while God is wise, Wisdom is not God. God can redeem and restore your life from terrible places. If you call out to Him, He will answer. If you're a believer this morning, then there may be times when you prove yourself unfaithful to Jesus. And you're foolish for all of us. But there will never be a time when He's unfaithful to you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Our Savior's in the business of redemption. And He can take our darkest moments and turn it into a beautiful story. It's just what He does. But listen, the reality is that in this life, you can avoid a lot of pain and a lot of heartache, and you can enjoy a lot of blessing by simply choosing to be wise before it's too late. Before I, before I close this morning, I want to ask you to evaluate where you're at on this in your own life right now. There's a personal inventory at the bottom of your bulletin. You have one with two questions um, there for you to look at think about. Number one, Am I fearing? Am I choosing to fear the Lord? 
Or am I pretty much living my life how I want to live it without a second thought? Am I listening is number two. Am I listening to wise counsel that God has placed in my life? Or am I rejecting correction and advice that I don't want to hear? If you don't really like your answers, then just remember that you really don't have all day. I'm asking you to consider turning things around before it's too late. Remember, wisdom is not only fearing and listening, it's also timing. The reason we have to be told how to be wise is because human nature is naturally bent on foolishness. We like immediate results and feelings. We, we don't want to think about what our choices will really mean in the future. And we really like the feeling of being in complete control of our own lives. But folks, as I said earlier, God is wise, but wisdom is not God. The same author of what we read today wrote another book called Ecclesiastes. As Solomon grew older, he discovered that even wisdom has its limits. In Ecclesiastes 2, 12 through 16, Solomon penned these words. So I decided to compare wisdom with foolishness and madness, for who can do this better than I, the king? I thought wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness, for the wise can see where they're going, but fools walk in the dark. Yet I saw that the wise and foolish share the same fate. Both will die. So I said to myself, since I will end up the same as a fool, what's the value of all my wisdom? This is all so meaningless, <laughs> for the wise and the foolish both die. Listen, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then wisdom will ultimately be meaningless for you. The wise and the fool share the same fate. They both die. But if you're here today and you know Christ and your eternity is secure, then wisdom is of great benefit to you because your life will carry on even after death. Ultimately, that's the exact truth that Solomon arrives at at the end of Ecclesiastes. Trying to be wise while living a life separated from God, it's like chasing after the wind. It's like trying to clean out your car as you drive it off a cliff. I want to tell you this morning that the only way to be reconciled to God and to be made right with God is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the one who bridged the gap between us and the Father. He's the one who offers salvation for all our sins and all our foolishness, for all the ways that we fall short of a truly just and righteous God. Maybe your life has been painful because of the unwise choices of others or, or you yourself. If you want to pursue wisdom this morning and, and you don't know Jesus, then let me just tell you the wisest thing you could ever do is to put your trust in him. Because in him, wisdom is, is worth something at the end of the day. In Jesus, the fruit of wisdom can live on. For those of you who do know our Lord and Savior, let's remember what we learned today about wisdom. First, wisdom is fearing. Do you know who our God is from reading his word? Do you know what he hates? Do you know what pleases him? Uh, do you think about it when you make decisions? Second, wisdom is listening. Who are the wise counselors in your life? Do you listen when they speak? Third, wisdom is timing. The clock is ticking when it comes to the decisions that will affect the rest of your life. Choose wisdom now because you can't choose it later. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you are wise. I thank you that you are here in this moment, that you are here in this room. Lord, I pray that you would continue to be in our midst. 
Lord, I pray for, for those in this room that, that don't know you, God. Lord, that they, would, that they would pray to receive you. They would welcome you into their lives. They would trust in you. Lord, for those of us who do, help us practice wisdom. Help us think about um, listening to wise counsel, thinking about fearing you. Help us apply what we've learned from your word this morning. Amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.